Well, we are both super excited to have you on. We um, have been tracking you for a bit. I'll let Tim give some background on how we actually heard about uh, Calenso, but um, we're super excited to have Pierre Rich on, who's one of the co-founders of the open source uh, Calendly Alternative, which um, launched earlier this year and is now close to 6,000 GitHub stars and 450 forks and has gotten some awesome momentum uh, product of the month on Product Hunt, which is very hard to get. So that's awesome. Um, and yeah, Tim was actually the one who found you initially. Yeah, and funny, I was actually trying to use it, um, right? And I think it was really <laughs> intriguing to see, you know, what are all the alternatives besides Calendly today, right? There are actually quite a few, but open source and have all this sort of flexibility yeah. uh, that really piques my interest. I was looking at the code. I was trying to clone and use it <laughs> personally, uh, actually for this podcast specifically. Uh, but that, you know, of course, lead me to messaging you. I really would love to learn more because I think this, uh, Callan So, right? This concept and as a company, we're super intriguing for both of us. So we'll have a little more. Well, thank you too for having me on the show. I'm excited to be talking about open source and business models and ecosystems and developers. Uh, uh, it's, I, I love open source. I mean, I started using WordPress. I got into tech with WordPress, cloning, copying, changing, and fucking up the whole code base, essentially. <laughs> so it's. I think it's. it's how... The majority of engine i mean there's no engineer not using open source hands down so um yeah well uh what can i say there's plenty of scheduling products out there my dad today actually asked me so wh wh why are you special like what's what's the difference and i try to explain him the difference between SaaS and commercial open source um i mean we all know SaaS products Calendly, Savvy Call, and maybe some infrastructure SaaS companies. Um, but the fundamental struggle of SaaS is that um, it's just not your code. Like you can't make any changes. Um, whether you are an enterprise company that wants to build a marketplace on top of scheduling, or you just hate the way the button looks, you know, <laughs> that's just nothing you can fix unless they have a, like a, a white label editor box. But um, if you want to make a lot of changes, if you want to change the booking flow, the layout, the design, um, that's just something you can't do with, with hosted SaaS products. Um, and that is for the majority of people, that's fine. But um for you know enterprise and and healthcare and uh governments and the nasa who knows um it's just not enough and, and most of these companies are in fact not even allowed to use hosted products because of you know exposure to foreign countries and foreign hostings and data leaks um so for me when i was starting leanhire.com uh which was the previous business that i was running which is a hiring marketplace between candidates and companies, uh, we needed something that was more than Calendly. We were running on Calendly, requiring every person to make a Calendly account, copy paste their link into our product. And A, it was just not a good experience for the end user. And B, we just didn't know if someone made a booking. We didn't know if the booking was canceled because it is a connection between the company and the customer, not between us as a marketplace provider. So I 
yeah, I just looked up on Google, like Calendly open source <laughs> and it had zero returns. And that's usually a good sign as an entrepreneur when, you know, you have a problem and then, you know, others have a problem and then you don't find a solution. Um, that just like, that just made it so exciting for me to start this project. Um, and within days, I think we were number one on Google for this, for the query. I think we're like, we own nine out of 10 links for that keyword on, on the website, whether it's product hunt or GitHub or Twitter. Um, and that's also where the vast majority of traffic is coming from uh, other than the, the word of mouth for, for people sharing their links. Um, so yeah, that's been the last three months from, from our company. <laughs> that's awesome. Very, very young, still very, very young. <laughs> yeah. And so we'd love to spend some time talking about that kind of decision-making process around, okay, so from the user perspective, you were looking for an open source version of Calendly or a, a calendar schedule software, didn't find it. But then what was the, walk us through the process between that and then actually starting a company around it. And how did you decide that A, there was a big enough market and B, this was something worth pursuing because, um, there are tons of still like unaddressed problems, but then figuring out which ones you want to actually build a company around and that there is a, a big business around, that's a kind of different thing. So yeah, I would love to kind of, from that point where you couldn't find a solution, what was your process then trying to figure out if you wanted to actually yeah. chase down building a company around it? Yeah, to, to explain that we need to go back uh, a few months into October, 2020 which was actually the day uh, I, I launched Calendar as a landing page and like outlining the project. And, and it was very, very basic, like very, very like, <laughs> shitty. Um, and that was during during Lean Hire, like we, we spin it out as, a, as an open source project. It didn't wasn't even incorporated yet. It wasn't even intended to be, uh, I mean, it was just an open source project. That's how virtually every commercial co open source company starts out, which is great. I, I love that. Um, and that was in October. And then in December, I got connected with, uh, I, I was an on-deck fellow already in October. So I, I came up with the idea during my fellowship, which is uh, not too uncommon. Like you work on a project and then you find another idea. And in December, on-deck reached out to me to acquire Lean Hire, which was just a major milestone. The company Lean Hire was only six months old at that day. Um, and we've been negotiating for, I think, about two months. Um, and then in January, uh, on deck acquires Lean Hire. Um, and I just stopped focusing on Colenso because, <laughs> as you may know, when you sell a company, you're, it's just a lot of work to A, facilitate the transaction, and B, uh, I joined as head of product and uh, took over uh, some of the product initiatives at On Deck. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with on deck it's a it's an entrepreneurs network slash uh educational company that is kind of like yc but without equity um and has a really strong entrepreneur com uh, community and uh, a lot of hackathons and online events and it's really cool by the way also using calendar now so <laughs> they they definitely know what good software is to pick from um, but uh yeah so I stopped working on Calenzo for, I think, four or five months. Um, so I launched it. Uh, it got mediocre traction because I didn't really market it uh, in any way. Uh, but it 
it quickly got number one on Google, which was driving just so many signups per day to a point where I was like, well, I am fully employed and on deck and I'm not looking to leave. Like, this is really exciting stuff to work on. Um, and I went on Twitter asking like, hey, does anyone know a founder that can take over my project? Um, just give me 15, 20% of equity, like keep like uh, assign it to me on, on founding. And, and I actually paid for the, I, I pay for the first year of salary for, for that type of person so they can join in full time. Um, and I didn't find anyone, surprise, <laughs> on Twitter. I reached out to some people at On Deck. Um, the problem with On Deck is that everyone's kind of working on their own stuff. So it's really hard to convince someone to join your shitty thing. Um, and then the last initiative I did was to uh, to email everyone on the waitlist. And by that day, we already had like 1,500 people on the waitlist or something. Um, and I got, funny enough, I got a lot of inbound. I mean, most of the people who signed up for the waitlist were developers. So it's a really good target group to, to message. And then I had about five or six uh, calls with, uh, well, customers who were technical some of them were non-technical uh, obviously i was looking for a technical founder because it was a very very early stage product um and the last call i had was actually with bailey who then uh turned out to be my new co-founder um but the way we did it we did a lean hire project <laughs> um obviously using the, the same platform and within the first week i was just like so sure this is the the right person to to take take over like i didn't even at that point i didn't care about an ipo or venture capital it was just a funny side project that i was just trying to not let like not have it die um and yeah bailey took over uh we made a very simple like one page agreement how equity should look like and how everything should should work and what he's interested in working on and and I put in I think 25k was that um for like a six months or so or seven months type of engagement um and and then yeah he started to to work on it and I think within 14 days he he uh, like I advised him on the product hunt, like a, to, to make a product hunt launch because that's where the community is and Hacker News. And that was just fucking crazy <laughs> because we launched a product hunt with probably one of the worst products to launch on product hunt because A, our calendar didn't have Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday and, and like in, in, in abbreviations. It just didn't, ha like it just didn't. We just didn't have the time to, you know, make the days. And our calendar also didn't start, you know, how calendar layouts look when, you know, the first one doesn't start at the beginning. It's like, um, it's, it's like shifted. So it starts on Monday and um, our calendars just started at one and ended at 28 or 31, whatever the month was. And you could not identify which date it was. You could just, you know, count the days. Um, we got a lot of love from Hacker News saying this is the worst calendar I've ever seen. Um, but uh, that didn't kept Product Hunt and, and Hacker News and, and, and Twitter to, um, well, loving the product product and roadmap. And uh, just to be fair, the product was working, right? It was like, it was not a, it was not a mock-up or something. Like it was a working product, it was just really bad. <laughs> um, and obviously the layout came two days after and uh, the, the shifting and the time zones came three days or four days after. Um, 
but yeah, that was the product hunt launch. And within hours, we were number one on product hunt within, well, obviously within the first week, uh, product of the week. And then when, when the month was over product of the month, um, right now we're third for product of the year, uh, we just overtook Savvy Call, which is, uh, makes us the number one most loved scheduling tool on product hunt. <laughs> um, and everything else, uh, yeah, that's today, I guess. Yes, that's amazing. The whole story is so amazing for us. <laughs> every path, everyone's path to starting a company is so unique that hearing this is definitely very, very fun to hear. But I think going back a little bit, because you talked about how the traction came, right? Number one is actually the Google search results was number one. That gives you a lot of insights around this. This problem is really interesting. Of course, now you go into product hunts and even with this like sub optimal yeah. product, right? It still just took off on its own. But I, I think, you know, it, it can always feel like you just throw something out there and just somehow magically works. But I know it's always more nuanced than that, right? Like what is, yeah. what did you actually got people to search for that become one? Because there are other calendars. Yeah. Right? So you can't just say calendar scheduling, yeah. right? You, you're, you're finding something that you can be number one of. So what, what, right. you, what did you actually put out there? You know, to what kind of message you put out that actually resonated with everyone, and that yeah. it's so popular. Yeah. Um. So there's uh, let me count. I guess there's three like waves that we're riding. Um. The first one's just remote work, pandemic. Um. People have way more screen time than before. It's harder to meet. You can't just call someone and meet up at the coffee store. Um. We live in our. I live in my calendar. Um. Additionally, async work requires that the high touch points with people are sync. Um, so it's much more important to have these sync meetups um, and, and like products that block your calendar for focus time and stuff has become more popular. And um, so that's the number one, I guess the biggest wave that tools like Calendly, Calendly is old, like it's not like since recent, like they, they pioneered, I guess the idea of sharing someone a link. And I remember having conversations in 2020, 2020 uh, 2019, like, is it appropriate to send a calendar link? Like, we're not having this conversation anymore because it's just everyone knows it's the smartest way to book a meeting uh, with a with a calendar link or a savvy call link or any other link. Um, so this is the first wave. The second wave is that um, that open source is just really relevant. We we've seen what centralized companies have done to like at Facebook with democracy, and we've seen. Uh, the rise of cryptocurrencies, which is by default always open source. There's no cryptocurrency that's not open source. Um, and then we also talk about Web 3.0, which means decentralized infrastructure, whether it's backends or, or frontends that uh, are not run by a single company, um, which positions Calenzo in the perfect spot. Um, we're not ready yet to be in Web 3.0. Ethereum is not fast enough to facilitate our bookings. But um, we're obviously hoping for scalability improvements. And who knows, maybe we are able to run the whole scheduling uh, on the blockchain. I mean, I'm not saying this is planned, but who knows what happens in five or, or two or three years. Any other company that is not open source cannot make the transition without open sourcing their code, right? Uh, if Calendly wants to make a transition into Web 3.0, they just can't. Um, they're fundamentally different in terms of their business model and their, their infrastructure. So. Um, that is the second wave, which both is driven by investors, obviously, because they, are, they they try to predict what the future of technology looks like, 
but they're also driven by by people who understand that open source has a lot of benefits in terms of decentralization in terms of if our company goes bankrupt tomorrow which i don't believe in um but then calendso lives on like like people would form a foundation around it. We would hand over the keys to the GitHub repository. And um, if you're a customer of Calenzo, like nothing really happens. They, you, you don't even know that. Like I'm, if I'm running a, a Next.js block right now and Versal goes out of business, like nothing fucking happens. I don't even know that. If I run a block on, on Webflow and Webflow goes like sells to some random company and they shut it down for some reason, like millions of websites are offline. Like that's just um, not something I'm looking forward to in, in terms of web infrastructure. Like I, I love Webflow, but it has a different different use case. But um, so that's the second wave that we're riding that, that this this consciousness of open source. Um, I mean, open source has been it's older than than, than me, but um, people are getting more conscious about their data, about their ownership, about decentralization, about, um, uh, well, just people banning your access to, to some infrastructure. Who knows about um, Zoom is banned. I, I, I don't know if it's Zoom, but like some, some SaaS products are banned in some countries. So we just want to be as open and transparent as we can. And, and that is a really, really big wave. I mean, just the claim open source alternative to Calendly, people know what they get just by the word they know it's open they know it's transparent they know they make they can make changes they get it for free um you don't need to explain all of that when you just say open source um and the third one is uh there's a lot of new business model innovation for online meetings whether it's online yoga classes online fitness studios online coaching uh telehealth um booking for vaccine appointments so all these new types of businesses that didn't exist before require you to meet some, like make a schedule make it make an event with someone so that's something where we like that's actually our main focus most of the other tools that are b2b or b2c primarily focus on the end customer to make a booking with someone but they're really hard to, and I've seen that with, with, with Lean Hire, they're really hard to build a proper marketplace on top of. Um, and that's where open source in general shines because you can just flip it and fork it and make changes the way you want it to be. And so these are the three ways we're writing, um, which just drives this massive early adoption in, in the first two months. So interesting. Um, and on the founding story, it's almost like, an incubation in a sense like this is a very unique story where it's a founder who has this project that gets a lot of traction and then can't go and be the, the ceo of that company at a given point in time why like i would love to understand your decision making process like why not just keep it as an open source project that you're working on on the side versus why kind of bring in a, a ceo to run it and what was your process and what were the like big factors that led you to then go find bailey and have him take take yeah. him, so um i think it's a personal thing to uh like i i i'm not someone who likes to be distracted by like too many things um so when when i was working on lean hire i didn't even like i I didn't even know if it's a good idea to work on this side project. Like even during Lean High, which was a bootstrap company, which didn't require a lot of, not too much attention for me. So there was enough room to to be working on on other things. Um, but I do know when something 
kind of like has signs of traction that it's it's like you you only find these like tiny like it's it's weird like you only find gold once and you don't want to just have it as a side project like, yeah i have like i found this like this weird metal but i'm not really doing anything with it so um for me it was really hard to not focus on something in in full time and um yeah and then uh, as as soon as um as like there was uh, decent traction um i i i spoke with my teammates at on deck and and trying to figure this out and um the 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 reason why i think that was in december like the search for for a proper ceo to to run it um that was like my first month at on deck right like you you're not you're not like signing and leaving and right? you just jeopardize the whole like you, you yeah you, you break everything right um but then um yeah when when it doesn't stop like growing and and like uh like having some traction um and at the same time uh at on deck like our team was going through some changes and uh, at the at, when I joined it was a seed funded company, um, and while I was there, they raised a Series A, so there was a lot of uh, changes coming up, um, and uh, yeah, we we decided to uh, make it this way that works for everyone. And on deck, uh, this is yeah, on deck is the first probably the first customer that's using it internally for their fellowship uh, management. We're left on really good terms and still. Uh, with with the executives in in, in chats and um, I'm really grateful for the seven months I had at the company but um, I think everyone can understand when you find like this this gold nugget that you just want to make sure it, it works and um, and focus on it in full time because otherwise you're you're screwing both on deck and the opportunity you have like in front of you got it yeah so one aspect of this open source Cavalier is very intriguing because you're giving the user a lot of flexibility for them to change anything, right? To actually be able to, to build maybe things on top. We can talk about marketplaces already. Exactly. So how, because your nature is very different than a Calendly SaaS where I just want to have the easiest way to sign up, start yep. my credit card, get going, right? Where you're actually going to have developers now, you know, as your main mm. core audience. So how are you looking to build this community where traditionally Calendly is really just cared by anyone that needs to have a calendar. But now you yeah. also have developers on, uh, involved. Are you looking to build a community by engaging developers in a very unique way? I, I guess I'm just curious how you're looking to run this. What is community like for Calendar? And what are what yeah. are things you're doing to engage the set of communities you care about from your from your point of view? That's a very it's a very good question. Um, so first off, we we do have a hosted plan, which is identical to, not identical, like there's some things that we, we're already doing more than Calendly and some things we're still missing. So the, the one-click checkout, you know, get my credit card up and running uh, and have a link ready, that's still working. Um, so that's that's great that we can cover both ends of the market. Um, obviously, we're just running our own instance of Calendly, so <laughs> it's... Um, fairly easy to to be in that in that business um which is by the way used by i couldn't even tell you right now like hundreds of customers already the the, the pay plan so um so the way we engage with with um the community is we have a slack group um 
we we actually both um, kind of like still co-founders. Like uh, I, I'm more like the commercial co-founder, which is doing the partnerships, the sales, the enterprise integrations. We're both technical, which is great for an open source company. Uh, so we can both write code and make changes and uh, engage with developers, speak the same language. Um, but Bailey is really focused on um, the technical uh, integrations, roadmap, uh, and community support with with engineers. So our Slack channel has grown to almost 700 people within the first 60 days or something, which is just I've yeah I've not seen that bef before. I mean I'm I'm part of of on deck of course, which has a, a, a multiple thousands of people in a, in a Slack group. So that's that's epic. Um, but I don't even think they and their community first had 600 people within the first month. It would highly surprise me. Obviously, our community is way less engaged. They only write when they have a problem or when they have a feature request or a bug or, or uh, need some help. Um, like we're not doing any, any hackathons yet. Who knows? Maybe we may end up doing that. Um, but yeah, we have a fairly engaged um, Slack for for Q and A, for um, feature requests. Uh, some things we want to do is um, maybe put some funding aside to sponsor, uh, maybe some sort of incubator, like build your product on top of Calenso, uh, and you get maybe some grants or something. Uh, typical stuff that you would do for developer. Um, acceptance but overall people just like love to fork it and twist it and make changes and PR like we had I think 75 pull requests uh last month which is like more than two per day um I, I've never seen like I, I've been part of four engineering teams and I've never seen so many just so much code like good code like that's like peer reviewed and and um, be committed in the pro. I mean, I I don't think our team could have built the whole Calendly product within two months without open source. So, um, and that is that doesn't even factor in like translations, which are also likely community based and um, like Railway, another open uh, like a hosting company made a made a package and. Um, Jitsu, which is another open source company, like integrated their L analytics for us. Um, so it's it's kind of like everyone brings their own food to the party, and it's it's really cool. <laughs> what does the community look like today? Because there's, um, I was when Tim and I were chatting about um, our podcast before we we started, um, it reminded me a lot of Mattermost, the open source Slack alternative, mm -hmm. and there are so many different value props you can have for having this open source underpinning. So like the control aspect. For regulated industries, you can have customer data that's more secure, the developer angle around being able to just add the calendar feature in different places. So as of today, what does that community look like? And where are we yeah. finding pockets of users that are just seeing a lot of value in us? The the customer segmentation is um we have the very the very consumer focused people who swipe their credit card and just want to have a booking link. I would say that is, um, in terms of numbers, the biggest uh, types of users. Uh, we've seen a lot of telehealth companies who need to be HIPAA compliant. Um, I, I don't think there is, I, I think Nylas is a, is a host of product that is HIPAA compliant. I don't think the rest of them are HIPAA compliant. And 
I also don't want my doctor to be using Calendly, to be fair. Like, like no offense to Calendly, but I, I just don't want my, you know, hard operation to be scheduled over a, a, a SaaS product. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, telehealth uh, appointments, um, vaccine appointments, doctor appointments, uh, online coaching. So everything in that space is, is typical coming through where data ownership and, and, and securities is, is a thing. Um, we have the first few in like inbound um, requests from, from government bodies who don't want to rely on, on closed SaaS products where they don't know if there's a backdoor or when the servers are. We've, we've had this big backlash of Zoom having servers in China and then they need to roll out uh, a new like cloud infrastructure in, in the US and you still don't know is someone listening, someone not listening, but um, most of the time it's probably just a hoax and no one really cares, but the companies who do care, they love open source because yeah, you just set up a security team. They look through the code and be like, yep, it's all good. No backdoor. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's typical for, it's it's not many, again, it's maybe like one or two government bodies that are reaching out and doing their due diligence. Um, yeah, and then there's a lot of startup entrepreneurs who just want to build, let's say, a new marketplace for X, who like yoga teachers or personal trainers or fitness coaches who, yeah, want to build the next Airbnb, but for human to human. And so since you have a hosted SaaS, right? And also open source community of projects, yeah. people just adopt and use it. You know, one typical question that I think a lot of open source companies run into, uh, it's a challenge where it's like, what should be open source and what should not be open source, right? There's this open core business model yeah. that a lot of people kind of adopt to. It's very tough. It's very yeah, tough. in your case, it seems like you're not, like closed sourcing some things and open sourcing most of it. It sounds like you actually have the whole code open source. You're just choosing to run a hosted version. Is that right? It's nothing. There's nothing you can get more with the hosted version um, other than the domain link, obviously, calonzo.com slash your username. Um, that may at some point change, uh, but our premise is that um, the open core will always Gets you, gets you everything you want. Like whether it's a video call, um, we actually have now, I mean, we're doing this on Zoom, this recording right now, but we actually have our own video client out of the box, which um, none of the other scheduling tools have. So by default, you don't even need to have a paid Zoom account to um, to to have a video call, which is just, um, I, 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 this sounds so obvious, but like, why has no one done that before? <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's on the hosted plan. That's not on the self-hosted version. Um, but obviously, with the self-hosted version, you can just connect Google Meet or any other free client. Um, our premise is that whatever makes you money, I think it's fair to say that it makes sense for us to also make a tiny bit of money with that. So features like um, payment processing, where you take a small uh, booking fee for, let's say, uh, a doctor appointment, 15 bucks to make your appointment or um, your hairdresser, you, you book it in advance, or the electrician who comes by. Also for security reasons, uh, a hosted pro feature. If we open source it, we run into the issues that maybe an engineer breaks something in the in the checkout flow and then we, we are held accountable. Or we, we're not really held accountable, but it would be bad in terms of branding when someone says, oh, I'm using 
Calenzo checkout and I made this change and now I got like sued for 2k of credit card debt. Um, so everything that re requires payments where you as a customer make make money, um, I think it's fair to say that it's 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 fine to put that into a, a pro plan. Um, and everyone is fine with that. I mean, if 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 you pay 10 bucks or 12 bucks per month and you run your your small, medium sized business, let's say your barber shop or your hairdresser and you make 2K or 3K or 4K per month, then I don't think anyone cares to have that like as a fee to host that I'd like to not have that self-hosted um but yeah anything else in terms of uh, how many events you can schedule um every all of these other products have a maximum of one event type so you have like the 15 minute version that's free and then if you want to have a 30 minute and a 60 minute that one's locked behind a, a paywall like behind the, the pro plan uh we don't do that like you can have as many seats and many event types as you want which is required for these like marketplace use cases. Uh, I mean, imagine you have a, a, a new marketplace of 10,000 uh, like yoga teachers and you need to pay 12 bucks per seat. <laughs> That's obviously not working uh, in terms of pricing. Um, so yeah, we're, we're not doing any anything in that regard. And um, we may be launching some sort of enterprise, kind of like GitLab enterprise version where you know, single sign-on and uh, proper auditing and audit lock and like admin admin panel with user management, um, which 99% of our customers don't really give a shit about. Um, that's also behind a pay paywall. And is that the focus right now? Or is it really around, because there's at, at this stage of the company, there are so many different things to focus on, especially for an open source company. There's growing the community, um, start, starting to figure out, okay, are we gonna try to monetize or focus on certain markets and features that way? So from a party standpoint, is it like number one right now, growing the community and then thinking about monetization after? Or what, what are kind of the priority stack ranks right now? Um, yeah, so uh, um, we, I think it's, I, there is always like this number one priority. Um, I would say that is for now product. Like like we know this has product market fit. Calendly has product market fit. Um, the numbers, the retention is, is amazing. People are not churning. Um, so like we don't really need to prove that this is a viable business, um, which gives us more confidence into focusing on, on you know, a really strong product roadmap, high developer velocity in terms of shipping a lot of features in good quality and good, um, just like building the right things for these enterprise customers or marketplaces. Um, as any open source company, if you look at Strapi JS or WordPress or, or Docker, it is about value creation at a really big scale. So like millions of potentially billions of people using your product at some point. Um, WordPress literally has billions of people using it. Um, it's the most used uh, piece of technology on the web. Um, it, it is about value creation in the beginning. So our, our core focus is how can we get A, big customers, like enterprise customers who have 150,000 people waiting for scheduling, you know, maybe some sort of McKinsey or, or a government body that has 
100,000 employees using a product like this, um, where you have these really step function growth, where you sign a contract and then it's 10x the user base. Um, but then the other thing is also just being really supportive on, on newcomers who built the next Airbnb, who built the next scheduling product uh, on top and, and be really early and, and kind of like Stripe did it, uh, have two, three, four breakout companies who, 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 you, who you're growing with. Um, but obviously we have a host of plans, so we're not saying no to anyone who wants to pay us money. <laughs> and so Calendly, you know, it sounds like you're really expanding the concept of Calendly itself into people can build on top of you, people can actually do a lot of things around it to make a super interesting platform opportunity, right? And I, I, I guess there's two side questions to this. First is like, are you gonna just focus on calendar um, specifically this experience only? Or do you think like, hey, in the future, we might wanna go down to, I don't know, even besides just appointments, I can actually do even calendar itself or, or even more time management, right? There's, there's so many different ways you can really get into sort of the yeah. product experience. Are you looking, is, is your, are you corely anchored on this calendar scheduling experience or you wanna go on to others? Maybe I'll stop there. Cause I, I'm very curious, like what do you see yourself, you know, becoming, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, our plan is in 2070 to build the first infrastructure to make video calls between Mars and earth. So that's kind of like where we're going for. I'm obviously, well, maybe I'm not kidding. I don't know who knows what's happened in 2017. Um, I mean, some of that is confidential where we're obviously heading our company. We have a, a major rebranding coming up, um, which is super fucking exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, well, um, the, the scheduling space currently is a $3 billion company. Um, they barely scratched the surface of, the, the needs of, of people. Um, I mean, it sounds so weird and, and I've never been in a business where I can say that literally everyone needs our product. Like you, you can look around and people are meeting for the weirdest things. Like you can make a, a birthday party uh, from like, it, it starts with your friends meeting up, um, like organizing a, like, you know, Doodle, like this, this group scheduling product um, to, you know, um, maybe some government bodies uh, making the next G8 uh, event. I, I don't know. Like there's literally, the use case is, 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 is infinite. It's human communications. Like every person on earth uses email. Um, it, it is very similar to email just for certain communication. So um, I think there's many, 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 many things we can build on top or, or, or branch out. Um, but the the initial market is already just massive. It's it's we we can we can be in the calendar space for the next 15, 20 years, um, and then and then there's also video, which is 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 another probably soon trillion dollar industry. So, which is completely adjusted to our scheduling product. Um, I, I don't think we run out of ideas anytime soon. I want to go back to something that you said in the beginning around why, why you kind of started Kalinto, where like there wasn't anything that existed in this space that was open source and it felt like there should be. Do you think eventually we're going to see open source eating a lot of different business assets? Well, absolutely. Some of these open source alternatives for, for X and Y are literally like investors in our company. Um, 
I I have no doubt that um, we've seen the transition from CDs to SaaS. Like SaaS is not the end of the tech world. Like it is obviously uh, a very profitable industry with 80, 90% of margins and, and great retention and great growth. But who's, who says that this is, this is it. This is the, the, the best tech can offer, right? Um, so yeah, SaaS is definitely going to be kicked in the butt. I mean, like open source, like commercial open source companies are both open source and SaaS. Like we have a SaaS product, like we have the same benefits, the same retention, recurring revenue, predictable revenue than any SaaS product. Plus this whole other deep um, ocean of, of, of opportunities that uh, we can tap into and, and others can't. So 100%, whenever I see open source alternative for, for X, I know this is going going to to work not because it's it's a it's a hot spicy marketing thing just because most like ninety percent of the time it just makes sense to open source it. There's there's things where I read it and it's just like open source for Spotify. I'm like that just doesn't work because Spotify is not a tech problem. Spotify is a licensing and royalty agreement and 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 um, library like content problem open sourcing that probably doesn't make a difference like it's will be really shitty but but products like superbase where it's open source alternative for firebase or nocodb um which just recently kind of went viral in the in the tech community uh which is uh, open source for for uh, for airtable these products just make so much sense to me I, like i immediately look at it and be like yeah this should be the default like this company should should have been open source initially um so yeah, I, I, I have no doubt that these technology-driven companies, where the technologies is the core focus, that they will be eaten by open source. Because I think open source always has more people peer review code, more better code standards, better security, better longevity. You know, when the company dies, open source doesn't. Um, so in every aspect of technology, I think open source is superior. The reason why SaaS is just winning is that they can extract so much value. Open source struggles with the opposite. You have a massive massive user base, but you just don't have a lot of um, value capturing. So the companies that can do both have a massive user base plus find a way to make, make the business model work. Um, the, we're looking at, at $100 billion outcomes for the same type of technology. And so I think that key you're talking about, like open source, there's always trade-offs, right? Whenever you actually do a fully hosted only, or now we have an open source version of the company. Yeah, the value capture has been what we hear uh, one of the hardest. Right? Some some founders we talk to even choose not to open source anymore, right, for the next company. Uh, and so there's there's this, I guess this is strategic sort of exploration. How do you actually capture value while you're not making users not able to actually function enough independently, right? And so how, how are you thinking about this? Because you actually have most of the open source, right? Mm -hmm. You don't actually have that much closed source or at all. Um, I, I, and since you're still early, yes. what is your mental model? Like, okay, I think this is how we should be able to continue to op operate in an open, open source community way while still having value capturing? Are you only targeting a smaller segment of people to pay for them, which is like the open core model? Or do you think like, hey, what if, if we just have enough people using us, we can just extract a little bit 
I feel like there's, there's two mantras that I usually hear. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear if you have any more thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is probably the, the most important, um, well, not problem, but thing to optimize for going into series A, series B, like what's the actually percentage of, of value capture. We don't even know how many people, like we have some analytics like Jitsu, some anonymized uh, analytics, but we don't even know who is using what when you know scrap out the, the analytics part or you don't, you know, you opt out of, of the analytics. Um, so we don't even know how many people are paying, how many are not. Um, so that's very interesting to optimize for. It's also, it's, it feels like like just swimming in, in a dark ocean at night. Um, so you, you hope for the best. Um, no, but I think my mental model shifted when I saw like literally applications being open source. When you look at the past of successful open source outcomes, let's say Docker or MongoDB, um, these are developer-focused products. Um, to be more specific, these are very close to being actual programming languages or, or data, like databases or, or Docker is a, is a, is a paradigm. Um, and it's really hard to, to capture value when it's just a language, like let's say a language. Let, let's say you invent React today. Or, or a view or something, you may be able to offer like support or your engineering team could help Facebook launch it quicker or something. Like these are great contracts, but there's nothing fundamental where you can ext- like where you can host it. You couldn't host React. You couldn't host view or, or something. Um, these are things that only work when everything 100% is open source and people can use it without any licensing agreements. Um, however, the the new wave of companies we're seeing, the commercial open source companies, are applications open source, which means any application you can run on a hosted version, um, for any application you can offer integrations into other products, these integrations we call the crust are not part of the open core, right? We could charge for, uh, we are charging for a Stripe integration. We're charging for uh, potentially, we're not charging for the Zoom integration, but we could have charged for the Zoom integration. So um, you you give a very compelling product for free, which probably solves the majority of problems. And to be fair, Calendly is free as well. You can use Calendly for free. We have the same lack of revenue as they have for the free tier with the difference that the upselling to enterprise and, and, and governments and everything is just way easier and, and more straightforward. Um, so, for, so yeah, that's my mental model that I think these open source applications have a much better uh, angle of, of actually capturing value because um, yeah, I, I wouldn't even know today how I would, capture value for react like if i would be the inventor of react like maybe sell a book or something (laughs) so yeah um so that's that's something i've seen change especially given these three companies i just mentioned um superbase and 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 nocodb and and calenzo are infrastructure companies and people who build their whole company on top of something so core as infrastructure they are really, really happy to get licensing agreements, get um, engineering support, uh, hire uh, hire us at a at a very competitive market rate to build some random integrations, let's say into Salesforce or into some other weird janky thing, 
and yeah, you're just signing six-figure licensing agreements and you're looking at a hundred million in revenue within the next two, three, four years. So uh, that's much, much easier than trying to sell React for a hundred million. <laughs> Um, this has been awesome. I wish we could um, talk for another hour. La the last question we really wanted to get your perspective on, just given how much has gone on um, with Clint for the last six months, is there anything you wish you knew before everything launched or any kind of key learnings that if you were um, like you a year ago, you would have really liked to know? I mean, there's definitely things we could have done better in terms of like just being prepared to build this company if we... I mean, if we, but, but here's the thing, I, I think if you go into open source with the mindset of like, Hey, I want to build like a venture based business and what's the best open source thing out there. I, that's usually not working out. Uh, if you look at all these open source successes, it's always like, Hey, this should be open source. I think this could be cool for some other people. And then this big fucking wave hits you in the face and you're like, holy shit, I guess I'm incorporating a company now. Um, so I don't think you can be more prepared than just focusing on your open source project and, and hoping it, people like it. And even, I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not a beauty contest where the most stars, like it's, we, we really don't care. Like if, you're, if your open source repository has a hundred stars and it makes a hundred people happy and you, you make, you build a library to parse uh, an email to PDF and it's used by millions of people. Like that's epic. Like you don't need to build a commercial open source company out of your open source project. But if you feel like there is value to having a sustainable business model and, and making revenue is just, you know, sustaining your, your core team. Um, so I think that's something we did right to focus on having a business model to just continue working on it. Um, one thing we did wrong is we thought donations would make sense. It's like constantly fundraising from your customers, kind of like you're always trying to beg for, well, not beg, but like, oh, you're using my product for free, but like, here's like, can you just, you know, give me some money? Um, that's something we started out initially before this whole frenzy of uh, businesses reaching out and, and contracts started going um so we quickly remove donations it's still optional it's somewhere hidden if you really want to donate we have still a link but it's not anywhere advertised cool hey that was awesome thanks for so much for showing up and and sharing all this story thank you so much for having me uh, amanda and timothy